Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. the kittens are this is sports crunch with Crom. i'm your host david cromelo with all the blockbuster trades that went down this week and more to come the nfl is truly the show that never stops and we at sports crunch ain't stopping either with our third recording in three days we continue our 2022 dash to the draft series with a deep dive into one of the deepest position groups in this year's class defensive backs and joining us to analyze this talented crop of corners and safeties, it is a pleasure to welcome Russell Brown of CoverOne.net and the host of the Cover One NFL Draft Podcast to the program. It's great to finally have you with us, Russell. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, just uh, excited that we have a lot of football to still talk about, even with no games going on. There really is no off season in the NFL. Yeah, no, there there really isn't. I mean, you're you're driving around the around the block or whatever, and you, you open up your phone and you got notifications of, uh, you know, Khalil Mack getting traded or some, you know, Carson Wentz getting traded. It's just move after move. And that's, I mean, it's cool to see because the NFL's never really been like that trade league. Not everybody gets traded more. So guys get released or whatever, but we're seeing guys get traded this year. And um, I'm excited to just kind of see how the next week or two weeks go. Absolutely. And you forgot Russell Wilson, but it's okay if you left him out on purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's been so many. It's, I, it, I can't keep up. Totally, totally. But let's talk some defensive backs here, starting with this cornerback crop. And headed into the combine, it was a big mystery as to who would be the first corner off the board. But now we just might have clarity. Cincinnati's Ahmad Sauce Garner, who is the long, tall corner most teams still covet, he never allowed a touchdown in college, and he absolutely stole the show in Indy. He reportedly aced interviews. He's widely regarded as a high character guy and he's shined in athletic testing where he ran a four, four, one in the 40. Do you think it's a virtual certainty that sauce Garner will now be the first corner taken and does he deserve to be? Uh, yes. And yes, I, I thought he was the top corner all along. Um, I wrote an article about it over at cover one.net where I mentioned, you know, he is my top cornerback. I think he has got all the skills that you're looking for when you look at the traits and, and the tangibles and everything like that. And, you know, he's a, he's a press man corner with great length for the position. He's got that fluid lower body with quick feet and it allows him to kind of run with receivers and cover ground quickly. Now, you know, there's times that his base is a little bit offset where he, you know, he might think that the receivers going outside and they end up breaking inside, but you know, he understands how to recover. He understands how to use his length to play through the catch point. He, he can jam receivers relatively easily with that, you know, six, two and a half, six foot three frame. Um, and I, I just like it. I mean, you, you mentioned that the athletic testing, I like the athleticism. I like the ball skills. I, I think he's one of those guys, even though he's played primarily as the boundary corner for that Cincinnati Bearcat defense. I think he's that guy that when you go to the NFL, you can put him on that boundary side of the field and I think he's going to have it on lock indeed and one of the bigger wild cards in this draft is LSU's Derek Stingley Jr. Stingley had one very bad year in college one injury plague year and a first team all-america year if that first team all-america year was 2021 he would likely be the first corner taken off the board but unfortunately that season was his freshman year in 2019 when LSU won that national championship and as Thor Nystrom said on this program weeks ago, the number of college players that were only great as freshmen in college yet subsequently became very good NFL players is quite small. 
How high are you on Derek Stingley? And do you think he can replicate the 2019 version of himself at the NFL level? I think he certainly can. I'm just concerned that he won't be able to. And I think that's why I'm so hesitant on saying, yeah, this guy's going to a top 10 or top 15 pick. I think when you think back to last year, you see Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, who a lot of people said, you know, he would be the the first, you know, potentially the first corner off the board, but he had the back injury come up. He had some injury concerns and he fell all the way down to 21, 22 to the Tennessee Titans. I think the same thing could happen here with Derek Stingley, where he could potentially fall all the way to 21 for the, let's say, the New England Patriots. So I, I like his overall skill set. I, I think, you know, the, the ball skills are there when you see it from 2019. He's, you know, he had six interceptions and 15, uh, 15 pass breakups that year. He's very smooth with his back pedal. He shows the consistency, you know, to flip his hips and run in the hip pocket of receivers. But the, the foot injury is a concern. And I'm always concerned with cornerbacks, receivers specifically, those skilled guys on the outside or out in space that have those lower body injuries because they tend to reoccur. And maybe it doesn't happen in year two or three, but somewhere down the line, that injury is going to come back up. It's going to flare up. We've seen it with plenty of, of, receivers you look at Sammy Watkins I mean I I don't think Sammy Watkins has necessarily had a healthy 16 game season in quite some time and a lot of that is due to some of the injury concerns with his lower body so Stingley sure could be that first corner off the board when you look at 2019 but two years of you know only playing a total of 10 games and just having the inconsistencies is just a little bit too much for me to look past so could it happen in the NFL sure Um, but if I had to bet on it I would probably say no just because I feel like I would catch that ticket a little bit faster Uh, yes and uh, you mentioned the injury concerns as well he is coming off uh, that dreaded uh, Liz Frank midfoot sprain and Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, his medicals weren't good would it shock you to see him fall all the way out of the first round yeah, I mean, it it, I, it probably would just simply because I think when you get to, you know, that back end of the of the first round, you look at Kansas City, we were kind of talking before the show of how the AFC West could be not necessarily up for grabs, but I mean, it, it's going to be a very competitive division. You mentioned, you know, potentially the Chargers with Justin Herbert and having to stop him. And I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you look at Russell Wilson now with the Broncos, you look at that division, you, if you can get a guy like Derek Stingley at, at that 31st or 30th pick, you have to do so. And I think when you look at like the lions at 32, just draft good football players, if you're them and, and you got to take a guy like that, you got to roll the dice. So I would be a little surprised, but um, you know, the team I circle to is the Patriots at 21, obviously one of the Philadelphia picks, they have three, they have three picks. I mean, do they have to use them all? No. Will they use them all? Maybe not. But if, if they've got a shot to grab him, I, I think they probably would. Yes. And uh, before last week's events in Indy, some, including Dane Brugler, believed that Trent McDuffie out of Washington could end up as the top corner in this class. And there is a lot to like about Trent McDuffie. He's versatile, he's tough, and he's athletic. However, he has sub 30 inch arms and the amount of corners with that length that have found success at the NFL level is very, very minute. And that said, uh, CBS NFL draft analyst, Chris Paso brought up a very, very good point by saying that corners coming into the NFL today aren't as long and tall as they were a decade or so ago. And if size and length is sacrificed for agility at the cornerback position, it is fine given where the game is headed. Do you share that view? And do you still believe that Trent McDuffie can buck that troubling trend? 
Yeah, I mean, I think he can. I, I'm not too concerned about it because at the end of the day, like, sure, maybe he's, you know, not as long as you'd want him to be. He might struggle with, you know, taller receivers, but the lower body is what matters. If that guy can run, if that guy has the hip fluidity that I'm looking for, which I think he does, he closes incredibly well in space. And I think McDuffie's one of those guys that you just look at his physical talent and you have to say, hey, I can take this guy. And when you look at guys with, you know, under 30 inch arms, you look at, Avante Maddox out of Pittsburgh. He's, you know, he's playing for, for Philly. Um, he's, he's been relatively consistent over the course of his career. You, you look at uh, Quandre Diggs, who was a corner when he came out, but he's moved to safety. He's done relatively well. Kareem Jackson had 30 inch arms. So, you know, we're, we're talking splitting hairs here, but you know, he's been in the league for a very long time. So when you look at the arm length, like you can, you can make it work if you have the physical ability to do so. Now, if he had run like a four five, five or something like that, we might be talking about it in a little bit of a different way, but he's going to be just fine. I, I don't think he's going to get crossed over by receivers or anything like that. And, you know, he's a competitive kid. He's got, he's, he's shown ball skills. He's shown what he can do. So I'm not too worried about him. I do see some mock drafts where he's like in the top 15 and I guess it's possible, but that's a little rich for my liking um, just simply because I still like Andrew Brooke jr. And, you know, Derek Stingley quite a bit in those spots because I'm, if, if I'm sticking with anything, I'm sticking with what I know up to this point um, with those three cornerbacks from, from sauce to Derek to um, Andrew Booth. But yeah, McDuffie, I like him in the first round somewhere in that back end. And um, I, I think he's going to be a very talented player for, for whoever drafts him. Absolutely. And arguably the best player in this draft class, regardless of position, is Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. That said, many people do not believe you should draft a safety that high. But nonetheless, there's no denying his talent and the leadership he'd bring to a team on day one. And let's say you're a team like the Texas at three with needs all over their roster at literally almost every position, say for maybe running back and uh, wide receiver. And uh, you are a personnel official in that building and you try to make the case for taking Kyle Hamilton with that third overall pick. How strong of a case is that? Yeah, well, I mean, you look at, you know, Justin Reed, if he's gone, you you have to look at it and say he might be the best player on our football team. And if we're going to lose the best player in our organization, we've got to find a way to one replace that and get better and if we can do so by bringing in a player like Kyle Hamilton you might just have to pull the trigger and do it now I would be a little surprised if they did end up taking him I just think with the offensive tackles that could potentially be there for them you know to maybe upgrade over Laramie Tunzel to kind of show some confidence in in Davis Mills and just really getting this offense going I mean Sure, Lovey Smith's a defensive-minded coach. He might fall in love with a Kyle Hamilton, but at the end of the day, like you, you've got to be able to score points in this league, especially down in that division when you know Trevor Lawrence might take a step forward with Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Even though they don't have a quarterback, I mean they still have Jonathan Taylor, a very good offensive line. So they might be able to figure that thing out a little bit sooner rather than later. But for for Houston, yeah, like you, you could make the case to to take. Kyle Hamilton, just because he's an explosive athlete, maybe didn't, you know, run the 40 time as everybody expected him to do, but you just, you see the range with him. You see how well he closes and in the versatility is what I love with him. He can play as that too high safety. He can play as a single high safety. He can, you know, play as an overhang defender, even down in the box. So I like his overall skill set, and um, he's somebody certainly worthy of being in that top five consideration as one of the, you know, five best players in this draft, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he ended 
ended up falling out of maybe the top five and more so landed to a team like the Giants at seven or, or maybe Atlanta at eight? Definitely. Positional value is still king in this draft most of the time. And uh, safety corner hybrids are more demand than ever before in the NFL, especially considering the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense is the most dominant scheme right now. And you need uh, those kinds of uh, defensive backs that can do it all, so to speak. And this draft offers two such intriguing prospects in Daxon Hill from Michigan and Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. That said, as important as versatility is, you have to give these players a clearly defined role their rookie season so they're not mentally swimming in the playbook, so to speak. What is the best such role for each of these players next season and beyond? Yeah, well, starting with Daxton Hill, I mean, he, he's potentially going to be a first-round pick. I, I don't know if we can say the same thing about Jalen Petrie, but they're both very talented uh, safeties that have shown their versatility as well with with Daxton Hill I mean I think he can do a lot of stuff as far as covering you know bigger slot receivers or tight ends out of the slot I think he's got that athletic ability and that range to kind of play as that single high safety and with Jalen Petrie I think you'll probably see him a little bit more in those probably two shell looks and you know he will also move around kind of like the honey badger in a sense you know down at the senior bowl listening to Petrie um, he even mentioned you know, he tries to replicate his game after Buda Baker and Tyron Matthews. So it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to take on a role like that for an NFL team and, and tries to convince them that, hey, I can play that type of role and, and do a, a bunch of different things. So I, I think Daxon Hill, though, will more than like, I mean, maybe he doesn't, but I, I would be a little surprised if he didn't end up being a first round pick just simply because, you know, he's got good length for the position. He tested so well um, from a three cone drill time, you know, perspective. It was it was one of the five best uh, three cone dr drill times at this at, at the combine. So like, I like Daxon Hill as that first round potential sleeper that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. And Jalen Petrie is going to go somewhere on day two and just be tremendous value. So um, I, I like both players quite a bit. Yes. And another guy that is likely rising up draft boards after the combine is Georgia's Lewis Cine. Another addition to that amazing list of Georgia players that absolutely tore it up at the combine and on the road to the national championship for the Bulldogs as well. And uh, Louis Cine, how amazing was he at the combine? 437 in the 40, 36 and a half inch vertical, and 133 inch broad jump, 11.1 inches when you uh, do the other uh, measurement. That is insane indeed. And uh, Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy tweeted out that several teams had first round grades on Louis Cine before the combine. Would you be surprised if he hears his name called on day one, if not even earlier than many people would anticipate, like say top 20? Yeah. I mean, I mean, top 20 would be a little bit of a surprise, but when you look at, you know, we, we've kind of already talked about him before with Philadelphia, potentially maybe looking at Derek Stingley, maybe Stingley's gone by that point. And if they value a safety, I mean, they could be sticking to their board. And at 19, they might say, Hey, we know we're not getting this guy in the second round. We're going to take our guy now. And he's going to be a big benefit to our, our secondary at defensive back to play safety. And he's one of those guys that just, he closes so well, you see it so many times with him running in the alley and, and getting across the field on crossing patterns and, and things like that. So he's so consistent in that area. And he's such a great tackler. He always caught my eye as that player that could come up with a big hit in space 
over the middle of the field. So I like what he can do. I think there's going to be times where he might get beat in man coverage at times, just simply because, you know, I think he's a little bit hesitant as far as what he's reading in the backfield and reading the quarterback, but he's got the athleticism, the, the explosiveness to recover the burst to recover. And you just see his size six two, 200 pounds. I mean, that's great size with great athletic ability where it's going to be hard to say, no, you can't take this guy in the first round. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up being in that, you know, back end of the first round, maybe a top 20 guy, like I mentioned to Philadelphia. But, you know, I, I circled to a team like, you know, potentially Green Bay, um, obviously Kansas City and, and maybe even Detroit. Yes, and now let's play one of our favorite games on this program. It's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, we're going to discuss a prospect in depth that we haven't discussed yet. And you tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term potential in the NFL, starting with Andrew Booth, Jr. of Clemson. Do you buy or sell Andrew Booth and why? I buy. I I, I think Andrew Booth is one of those guys that has maybe had when I, when I come up to like trying to research a prospect, he's one of the toughest guys I've had to research in this class because there's just like nothing about him. And I think that's probably a good thing, or it could be a really bad thing. Cause there might be some, you know, hidden skeletons in the closet there, but I think overall it's a really good thing because he just keeps his nose clean out of trouble and he goes out there and gets after it. I mean, he's a five-star recruit out of Archer high school in Lawrenceville, uh, Georgia. He could have went to pretty much any school in the country he ends up going to Clemson and you know he's got really good length for the position I think he does a really good job playing through the catch point and pressing receivers I love how fast he you know clicks and closes he's so consistent in that area there's definitely times where his feet don't follow through on tackles there's times that he slips and falls around um, you know obviously the injury coming up before the combine not being able to test is a little bit concerning so is there a chance that maybe he falls a little bit in this draft sure um, but when you look at Buffalo at 20 25, uh, some of these other teams, you know, maybe Tennessee, maybe Miami. I, I think there's quite a few teams in the back end of the first round that would be really interested. And if he ends up falling, he's going to be that guy that we talk about probably on day two, like, you know, how it is on Friday afternoon before the, before the second and third round, we're all talking about where's this, you know, top tier corner going to go that fell into the second round. And I, I think that would be kind of the, the similar case here with Andrew Booth, where if he does fall, he's probably going to be one of the you know first four or five picks on the second day of the draft. This guy had uh, some first round hype uh, at the beginning of the year, but uh, now not so much. Kair Elam of Florida. Buyers, oh, Kair Elam. He's a tough one. I, I, I want to buy so much because the athleticism is there. I mean, for him to run a four, three, nine at his size at, you know, almost six, two is really impressive because he didn't look like a four, three, nine player on tape. He's somebody that, you know, I think plays with really good patience. He has really good size um, and obviously athleticism for the position. He's somebody though, that I think like in zone coverage, he's, he's probably pretty comfortable there. There's definitely times in man coverage where he looks really good, but there's also just times where he, I think panics and maybe grabs a little bit too much or he doesn't follow through with his feet and doesn't trust his overall technique and that concerns me in a way but kind of similar to you know Andrew Booth Jr. in a sense you know if if these receivers push some of these corners down if if the injury concerns push them down a little bit I could see Kier Elam just kind of slipping in there and maybe going at 25 to Buffalo but I I'm gonna just say sell just to kind of be different so I I don't keep buying all of these same prospects because there's just times where I watch Kier Elam and I, I just think some of the inconsistencies the lazy technique at times I think is is what hurts him could he be fine at the next level absolutely I'm rooting for him but I'll, I'll go ahead and sell 
this guy was a relative disappointment at the combine. Kyler Gordon. Do you buy or sell Kyler Gordon? Oh, man, you're hitting me right in the heart here. This is like Jon Snow knife in the heart type deal. I mean, that's 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 a tough one. I love Kyler Gordon. I really do. I, I love his skill set. I love the way he closes to the football. Um, but, you know, that 4-5-2 is a little concerning. I don't know if he'd necessarily play on the outside a ton. I think he'd probably be, you know, somebody that would play a little bit in the slot. Maybe he plays um, to the, you know, probably to the boundary a little bit just because you don't have to worry about certain things with him. But, you know, I, I like the athleticism from him overall. I do like, you know, what he does in press and off coverage. And similar to Trent McDuffie, he just closes so well to the football that he really caught my eye. I love his physicality. I love the way he tackles. Um, so I'm, I, man, I'm, I'm going to buy just because because that's my guy. I think I might've said sell to start, but I'm going to buy him because it's my guy and I'm rooting for him on day two of the draft. Cause that's probably where he's going to go. I thought he was going to test a lot better. And if you, if he would have ran, you know, a, a sub four, five, a four, four, five, or even a low four, four, I, I mean, I, I think he would have been, uh, he'd be talked about in that first round conversation for sure. Marcus Jones, buy or sell Marcus Jones. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to sell. Um, just one of those things where, you know, I, I think you're talking about a guy that's probably going to fall somewhere on that third day of the draft. Maybe he slips into that second day, um, but he's just going to have kind of that uphill climb to tr try to compete for playing time. And, you know, I, I think when you get to that point, it, it's just really tough to say, hey, this guy's coming in and, and he's going to become a starter. Could he be? Sure. Uh, but I'm just going to say the uphill battle as, as a day three prospect is always tough for some of these guys. And, you know, if he can't stay healthy or something, then it just makes it that much more tougher. Sauce Gardner's teammate at Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant, buy or sell? I do like Kobe Bryant a lot. I'll buy that. Um, you know, I thought he was going to run a little bit faster, but I mean, at that point, we're kind of just splitting hairs. I like his length. I like his patience and I like the way he recovers. I think there's definitely times where he gets a little grabby. He gets beat on a, you know, a particular move, whether it's something inside or outside, but he just finds a way to kind of like lurk back there and finds a way to close and get in on the football. So I, I think he's somebody that with some time in the NFL, he can develop into a starter. And I think he can be a pretty consistent one. So I would, I would go ahead and buy Kobe Bryant. And I think as a CB two for your team, if, if you get him in the third or fourth round, I think it's great value. And I think he's somebody, again, I it might, might not necessarily be a starter right away, but will contribute down the line. And that's all you need. Auburn's Roger McCreary, buy or sell? Going to buy. I, you know, you, you talked about, you know, arm length earlier, and he's one of those guys that super fluid lower body, plays, you know, really low with his pad level, flexible. And I, I think he's somebody that even though, you know, he's got the under 30 inch arms, he's, he's going to compete. He's a competitor. And I like some of the, the physical nature that he possesses. And he's somebody that just is always around the football. You think of like linebackers that have that knack to get around the football, you know, they see ball, get ball type mentality. That's the thing with Roger McCreary. And, you know, maybe he plays a little bit of the slot. Maybe he plays on the outside, but either way, I, I think he's somebody that you draft, he's going to play and he's going to compete. And, and that's all I can ask for a guy that's got, you know, some first round potential to his, his overall uh, body of work. This guy absolutely lit up the 40 Tariq Woolen of Texas, San Antonio buy or sell. I got to buy. I mean, you, you, you're talking about a guy that ran a four, two, six at, at, 
dang near, you know, six foot four, two Oh five. I mean, that's just, that's, that's out of this world for a guy that size. I was trying to find a pro comparison, like as far as measurables at the combine, I couldn't find anything. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible to see like, he's, I'm not saying once in a generation, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of, a lot of defenders that have ran at the, at the combine and, and done things at the combine. And for him to kind of be in his own category goes to show how athletic he really is. And maybe there's a lot of untapped potential with him. And that's why I would say I'm going to buy because I'm going to trust my coaches to go out there and get this guy with elite athleticism, rare length for the position. And he's got that top end speed. So there might be times where he's in a press man situation, he loses, but he's going to recover because he's got that long speed to do so. So I like his overall skill set. I, I think, you know, he'll, he'll have to get a little bit better in run support. He has to find ways to, to drop his pad level. But when he does, I think he can really become a, a solid corner at the next level. Moving on to safeties, Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, buy or sell? Got to buy. Uh, I'm buying a lot here. This is, I'm like on the stock market and I'm buying everything I see. Uh, Jaquan Brisker is one of my favorite players in this class. He's six one 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 ninety nine. Um, you talk about a guy that played a lot in the box this past year. He did so. He's got the size for the safety role, whether it's in the box, whether it's in the slot, whether it's as a, as a single high safety, he's got the range. Um, there's no wasted motion when you watch him play. There's times though, when he goes in for a tackle, you know, his angle might be a little bit off. His footwork doesn't necessarily follow through um, and underneath him when he makes tackles. But I like his, I like his skill set a lot. And I think, you know, when we look back at like the, uh, what was it? The 2018 draft or no, I'm sorry. The 2017 draft when like Justin Reed was drafted and Jesse Bates and all that these guys. That was 2018 was, actually. 2018. Okay. And uh, I thought so. And when you, when you see those guys getting drafted in the second and third round, great value. And I think it's the same thing here with Brisker. Maybe he's not in that first round conversation, but he's going somewhere on day two and you're just going to get a great value pick. Who's going to, who's going to probably start for me, for, start for you from day one and, and become really, really good down the line. Another Cincinnati Bearcat, Brian Cook. Man, I'm, oh, that's a tough one because I like Brian Cook a lot. He's one of the best tacklers in the secondary I'm going to buy it because I'm just, no, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell because I think there's some coverage woes with him. I think there's times where he's just too slow within his back pedals, too slow, you know, in and out of the breaks to try to close. Again, I think from a tackling perspective, one of the best tacklers out of the safety group, maybe out of the entire secondary, but just somebody that I, I need to know that I can put him out there on second and third downs and trust that he can cover somebody. And I think there's just times where he cannot. And I think he's going to struggle against bigger tight ends, faster slot receivers, and obviously faster running backs out of the backfield. So I'll sell like the physicality. I think he's a special teamer and that has value. I would buy that all day long, but when I'm talking about a starting safety, I'm going to go ahead and hit sell. And I hope he proves me wrong. Nick cross buy or sell. I haven't watched this kid yet, and I will say, though, I'm very intrigued. I've heard a lot of great things about him. was talking to somebody actually over the weekend about him because I, I was kind of hyping up Nick Cross because I was like, man, like this guy, great size, great athleticism. And I was told that this guy is going to go a lot sooner than you anticipate, potentially a top 50 pick at this point um, because of the thick muscular frame that he has. A lot of people are intrigued by him, and then to see him, run a four, three, four and how fast he can close on receivers in space 
is really, really intriguing. A lot of teams and a lot of people. And um, I, I think he tracks really well over the top just from some of the clips that I've seen on the timeline. So I'm going to go ahead and buy despite not fully watching his tape. But when I do, um, I will definitely give a, a better answer of, of why I would buy. And last but not least, and buy or sell, Verone McKinley III of Oregon. Feels like he's fallen off the radar quite a bit. He was somebody I hyped up during the, the summer months and said, you know, keep an eye on this kid um, as somebody that's got the ball skills. I mean, he ended up with five or six interceptions this past year. He's just got the range to, to kind of get in and compete. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say bye because I think you potentially get a guy that's going to contribute, um, whether it's on second and third down special teams. I, I think he's going to be somebody that comes out and competes and, and that's what you need, whether you take them, you know, on the, on the second day of the draft or on the third day of the draft, I, I love his skill set and, um, somebody that just, when you watched him at Oregon, I, I watched him on crossing patterns, getting down there and competing, saw him over the top at, you know, in those cover two looks. And I really liked what I saw there. So I, I'm going to trust his ability, um, regardless if there might be some question marks as far as his overall long speed. He is Russell Brown, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst for CoverOne.net and the host of the Cover One NFL Draft podcast. Follow him on Twitter at RussNFLDraft. Russell, thank you so, so much once again for joining us. But before we let you go, let's talk about some of the best possible landing spots for some of these players. We uh, alluded to some, but uh, let's uh, expand that list a little bit, starting with Sauce Gardner, your number one corner and the likely first corner off the board. I do like the fit for the New York Jets. I think when you look at Robert Sala, I'm not saying at four, more so probably at 10, but when you look at the New York Jets with Robert Sala, you know, he had Richard Sherman in his defense for a little bit of time there in San Francisco. And I mentioned a boundary corner. Well, Richard Sherman primarily played his career as that boundary corner. And I think that's the thing here. Sauce Gardner, you can bring him in, develop him in a similar way. And with Sala, he he's always shown value in, in defensive backs. And I think probably there's an edge rusher in here too that he strongly consider, but with sauce, I just love that fit. And if he doesn't end up going there, I mean, you have to think potentially um, the, the opportunity to maybe play in Minnesota just because of that 12th pick. So I, I would say, you know, between one of those two teams, I think that's probably the most ideal landing spot for sauce Gardner. Um, what about the giants? Uh, Don Wink Martindale is now the defensive coordinator. And if you want to blitz as much as he does, you have to have lockdown corners and uh, sauce Garner, I think for the giants at like seven, after they take a tackle or an edge at five makes a lot of sense too. What do you think? Yeah, no, it, it really does. I mean, it, it, you could go that route. I just, the thing that I worry about with them is that, you know, they've got to figure that offense out and they might have to do it with some of these picks early and, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to take a quarterback, but they're probably going to take an offensive tackle, I would assume, to sure up that offensive line. And then they, I, I just, I think they need to, to really value that edge rusher position. They're going to have to look at that player for, um, you know, that defense to, to get after the quarterback. If they're going to blitz the way that they do, they're going to have to find a way to blitz and get after it. Maybe that player's Trayvon Walker because he's got versatility. You can stand him up off the edge. You can do a lot of different things. What about the best leg spot for Derek Stingley Jr.? You mentioned the Patriots. Does another come to mind? You mentioned the Chiefs as well, but uh, just for the sake of this exercise, any others? Yeah, I mean, I think as, a, as an early team, maybe in the top 15, I think the Baltimore Ravens make a lot of sense for, for where they're going. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, the, the new defensive coordinator they, they have that came 
basically back from, you know, he was part of the Ravens, went to Michigan, came back after a year. You know, you're going to see probably a lot of similarities within that defense, a lot of press stuff, but you're, you're, you're going to need to get younger there. I mean, I feel like Jimmy Smith has been playing um, for that defense for like 50 years at this point. And it's, it's one of those things where they, they've got to get younger. They've got, they've got to find ways to get healthier back there. And I, I think when you look at Stingley, I know, you know, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice with some injury concerns, but you bring them in and, and you might find some immediate success if he's healthy. Trent McDuffie. Hmm. I mean, I like the thought of the Philadelphia Eagles um, just simply because I, I think when you, you look back at some of the, the, the defensive backs that they've drafted in the past, they've come out of Washington, but they've also, you know, I think they've got to find somebody to pair up with Darius Slay. And that's one thing that Detroit never really did was draft another corner to help Darius Slay on the other side of the field, or even have somebody learn from Darius Slay. And I think McDuffie with his athleticism, some of the ball skills that you see from him, how well he closes, I think that the Eagles would be really beneficial to get a guy like that. Yes. I think another excellent fit for Trent McDuffie would be the Vikings because in that uh, Ed Donatel defense, Ed Donatel, a Vic Fangio protege, they like those off man corners that could play inside and out. Uh, if uh, let's say Quasi Adolfo Mensah, who's big in analytics, uh, gets a good offer to trade back uh, into the late teens, early twenties, he can make perfect sense for the Vikings. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think it's still relatively rich for him to go in the top 15, but if it is the, you know, we always talk about this in the draft, right? Right team, right fit, right scheme. If that's going to be the fit, you're absolutely right. That would make a lot of sense for him because he does do that off man stuff. And he, he does a good job. Like I mentioned, closing and, and even when he's in that off man, it's like, you think you got him beat and he finds a way to the football, making tackles and things like that. So I, I'm not opposed to that fit, but again, I think top 15 is just so rich for, for his, for his skill set. Andrew Booth Jr. I, I, Man, I, I get torn between either Buffalo or Kansas City here. I like the thought with Buffalo because you'd play them opposite with Trey White. I think you get guys that you know can do a, a mix of a mix and match of, of two different types of skill sets. They've they've got the ball skills there. I think he's a really good tackler, and I, I think with Buffalo, you know, you 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 need to get that upgrade there because Levi Wallace at times has been a liability for them. So with, with Andrew Booth Jr., I don't think you have necessarily that, that same risk of, of him getting beat or, or anything like that. I think you get a lot more consistency on the opposite side of Trey White. Kyle Hamilton. Mm, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, again, I could see him going as high as Houston or, or the Jets there at four. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say Atlanta uh, just to get better within their defense, to clean up that back end a little bit with A.J. Terrell. You get a guy that can kind of float around and do a variety of things. You know, you've got Deion Jones there. You, you could really clean that back seven up, and you might be, you know, one of the better secondaries in the league at that point, especially if you can find a pass rusher at some point. Um, but – I don't know if he'll necessarily be there. If he's not there, I mean, I would have to think it would probably just be Houston for the simple fact, Lovey Smith getting defenders and, and getting defensive players. And if they lose Justin Reed, they might have no choice but to take a safety, especially with somebody that could make an immediate impact the same way that, uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton will. Daxton Hill. I'm going to go ahead and say Detroit. 
uh, I think Detroit would be a really good fit for him. Um, kind of staying with the, the local fit there, but I, I like the thought of him there, you know, staying close to, you know, Ann Arbor to Detroit. Um, I, I think Dan Campbell is going to look for a guy that's got some leadership qualities in their secondary. And if they lose Tracy Walker, they, you know, they might have some issues there as far as, you know, not having a, a, a true leader in the back end. And I, I think Daxon Hill's got some leadership qualities. I think he's a high character kid. And again, the athleticism, they, they, they would be able to, to utilize him in a variety of ways. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, as a single high safety, the versatility, and, and that's key. And I, I think, um, you know, with, with their defensive staff, they'd find a lot of ways to utilize him. And another potential fit for Daxon Hill, especially if uh, Tyron Matthew departs elsewhere in free agency, the Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. He would make a lot of sense for the Chiefs at uh, 30 overall should uh, they be unable to resign uh, the Honey Badger. Yeah, no, and he, he, I mean, I feel like that's almost like a plug and play replace type deal. And, you know, I think when we talked about some of these defensive backs, I, I it might have even been Daxton Hill. Um, you know, as we mentioned, Justin Herbert might take the Chargers to the next step. And, you know, obviously you got to account for Russell Wilson and, and, and the players in this division. And if you do, you know, you might have to look at getting a guy like Daxon Hill to really, you know, make sure that your secondary is on lock uh, because they've got some cornerbacks that they've got to, you know, f- it's resign or, or let go and clear up space and figure some things out there. You know, Ward's a free agent, Honey Badger's a free agent. So they, they've got to, they got to make some decisions in their secondary. Jalen Petrie. Another one of those guys that would probably be a good fit for Kansas city. Um, but again, we're probably talking somewhere on the, on the second day of the draft. And I mean, I, I could certainly see, Maybe, maybe Seattle at 40 or 41. I know they, I know they have Jamal Adams. I know they have Quandre Diggs and you're maybe forcing your hand a little bit there, but you've got two picks there where you could get a little bit younger um, and you could maybe improve and, and maybe you move on from a guy like Quandre Diggs. I'm not, I'm not, I'm assuming they're going to be keeping Adams, but maybe you move on from a Quandre Diggs and, and you just, you, you cut your losses. I mean, the way it's going with Seattle, they might revamp this entire team. So I could see that being a fit. Um, if not there, maybe New Orleans at 49, Marcus Williams probably won't be back in I'm not saying he's Marcus Williams by any means, but if you've got to if you got to get a safety, a guy that might be able to play right away, I think Petrie could do that as a as a second round value. And last but not least, Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, well, um, the dream scenario for me would be Detroit at 32 or 34. Um, if he's if he's there at 35, it's hard for me to look past the Jets. I mean. I, I think when you I mentioned Robert Sala before and, you know, looking at Sauce Gardner, I think he's going to fall in love with one of these safeties as well. And if, it, if it's Brisker, I mean, he can do a lot with Jaquan Brisker. He can blitz him. He can put him in the slot. He can put him up in the box. He's going to do a lot of stuff with Jaquan Brisker that maybe not a an, an average head coach or maybe a more so offensive minded head coach, regardless of his defensive staff, would be able to do where I think Sala and his defensive staff could probably figure it out pretty well. Russell Brown, everybody, CoverOne.net, host of the Cover One NFL Draft podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. Russell, thank you so much for donating your time and your incredible football mind to our program. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon to continue our 2022 Dash to the Draft series with a look at the Edge Pass Rusher class. So stay tuned. 
Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 590 on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com, where my first mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted. For Russell Brown, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.